is uh, search uh, dying? I guess uh, everyone is uh, trying to answer to this question and uh, this is a multi-billion dollar question because as I explained in the episode about Google business model, the Google search advertising machine in 2022 was uh, over $160 billion advertising machine, only Google search. So if you think about it, this is one of the most incredible uh, cash uh, printing machine of our modern era. So the question of whether it's going to die, of course, is also the question of whether one of the most interesting business models of the last 20 years is going to also be supplanted by someone else. The interesting thing is, uh, you know, right now we have a few things going on. There is a first competition that uh, is uh, is happening and uh, I also explained in one of the previous episodes some of the competitors that already have come to market to actually compete against Google. One thing is for sure, um, you know, search that uh, we had uh, given for granted in the last uh, probably 25 years right now is becoming interesting again. But, you know, what we call search in reality in the future is going to be called something else because uh, the whole search experience is changing and is not just changing from competitors or Google, it's changing in the way also Google is uh, is uh, reshaping it. And there is also an interesting take here. Search experience has already changed because, uh, you know, many might be criticizing Google for its uh, its uh, slowness also in, uh, in um, counteracting to the threat of, uh, of um, Microsoft and uh, OpenAI. On the other side, when we look at the advertising machine, the way it works, and uh, you know, if you want to go back to the whole episode about Google business model, I explain it in extreme details, probably even too much. But the interesting part is about the Google advertising machine. Right now, the Google search uh, products, the ones that are really growing fast and growing a lot since the pandemic hit, are the mobile uh, search and uh, Mobile search is already completely different from uh, what we see on desktop. Actually, we call it search, but in reality, most probably most of the times is not even search. It's a set of, uh, set of discovery experiences where the user might not even have to uh, look for, for something or actually even when search is performed, it's not in the way that we think about it. It's not something, it's not like uh, the user inserts, like for instance, a query and then he gets an answer. The query, this point, can be multimodal, meaning that it can be also an image. Indeed, in the yesterday presentation, Google has shown uh, one of the most, I think, incredible stats that, um, you know, I had a feeling about it, but uh, I wasn't sure. But they said that Google Lens, which is the uh, application on mobile, actually, if you go uh, on on a Google a mobile application, Google Lens is built into the applications. That's that's the interesting thing. And I don't know for how long it has been like that, but honestly, personally, I've been using it for months. So if you land into the mobile application of Google, the mobile application, it's uh, it's uh, incredibly interesting because it has already all the AI cap- capabilities that Google has, from translations to the ability to to uh, to really search through Im- images with the, with Google Lens. And the interesting thing is they shared that Google Lens uh, was is already used more than 10 billion, 10 billion times per month, which gives you a little bit of a glimpse of uh, the huge 
mobile adoption of Google because this kind of stickiness and this kind of uh, engagement can happen only on mobile because we have our mobile device, our iPhone or Android device uh, every day with us and therefore we, we, know, we play with it many times during the day. So for instance on desktop, on a professional standpoint, uh, the best that you can do most probably is to navigate through an application you know a few times and so if you get like an engagement of like uh, three four five pages per each session of the user is already uh, an incredible metric on mobile is completely different because uh, the application becomes really ingrained in your daily routine for instance uh, personally i've been using a lot of google lens to search stuff on the internet through images for instance uh, i saw like a pair of shoes uh, as i walked through the streets uh, I didn't know uh, uh, what price I could find it anywhere else. I take a picture and then Google uh, right on finds all the other results uh, and therefore it gives me a comparison right on on the things that uh, I can find. Or for instance, I have a passion for for uh, for uh, old stuff. So I take a picture of an old uh, object and I try to understand if it, uh, it is valuable and therefore try to, to find a match on the internet. And I can tell you that Google Lens work, uh, pretty, works pretty, pretty well. So again, when we talk about search right now, we need to understand that search already doesn't exist anymore in the paradigm that we were used to in the past. In fact, while desktop uh, you know, is still a core of Google business model, especially when it comes to probably monetization, when it comes instead to the growth part of Google, so the part that still keeps growing in terms of user adoption and keeps making uh, Google products as a sticky products, this is all coming from mobile. And the mobile experience is completely different because it goes through a set of applications like uh, the, the built-in Google Lens into the, the Google Search app, but also other tools like Google Discover or other applications from Google that have a completely different experience that is more based on a discovery mechanism. Now, uh, that's the thing. This experience, which is not anymore search, is discovery, is now transitioning into something else. Google is calling it multimodal search, so as to you know, say search is not going away. Also, because if you're Google, you cannot say that search is going to go away when for you it's a business worth over 160 billion per year. But to give you a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on right now, we went through four main phases throughout the, the internet in the last, let's say, 30 years. We moved from proprietary networks back in the early 90s to browsing by mid-90s when we had things like Netscape, Mosaic, and then Microsoft came to the market with the Internet Explorer by using an aggressive bundling strategy which actually created, a, you know, managed, enabled Microsoft to actually keep up with the browsing wars. But then on the other side, also created a lot of attention from regulators with the famous antitrust case against Microsoft where Bill Gates had to actually be um, uh, under hours of depositions, again, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in front of the antitrust commissions, the, FET, the FTC. And uh, that case actually alone probably slowed down uh, Microsoft at the point that Microsoft lost also the worst, the, the next worst in search and then in social media. So that's quite interesting because this window where there has been the transition from proprietary networks to browsing has seen the rise of new players like Netscape 
But then on the other side, there's also seen the aggression of uh, existing legacy players like Microsoft who used an aggressive bundling strategy and for that they got into trouble and this has loaned down Microsoft for years and therefore Microsoft had lost the other two waves of the internet which were search and, uh, and uh, social from a consumer standpoint because Microsoft has always been an interesting company from a business perspective which is what has saved Microsoft and uh, had it survive over the, the decades of not being relevant into search and into, into social media. The second wave of the internet which was by the end of the 90s to the 2010s was the transition from browsing to search engines. Here again we jumped from going through the web on any kind of portal to just going through Google and uh, searching through it. Still today, I believe in the US, Google market share are almost 90% when it comes to search. It's huge. So search is still live and going. But as I said, those are desktop numbers. And then a third transition has been the transition from search engines to discovery engines, which is what I was saying and where we are right now and where Google is right now. So this transition has happened as we moved from the search engine, so from the, from the ranking system and from the, uh, let's say, the the, the, the page rank to actually to the social graph. This transition is now uh, over with uh, Google that has again become a discovery engine. I explained already this logic because this transition has happened when Google is uh, has transitioned from, uh, from uh, a desktop player to a mobile player. And today if you look at the advertising landscape of Google, go back to the Google Business Model episode, you're going to learn everything about this transition and the fact that mobile is the main growth engine within Google, even though it's still very hard to monetize, both because the traffic coming from mobile is harder to monetize for now for now for Google, even though if uh, there is more and more engagement. And then on the other side, also because there are new content formats like shorts that go through YouTube, which are harder to monetize for now, even though Google is playing with it and actually has figured things out. The fourth and last transition that we're looking at right now is the transition uh, you know, from discovery engines, which is what Google Mobile has become right now, to generative engines. Now, Google was the first uh, company that in 2018 transitioned to become an you know, AI-first company. And this came with the announcement of Google du Duplex. Google Duplex, uh, I believe, the interesting part, and if you don't know what Google Duplex is, this was a, an, inc an incredible conversational interface, what uh, similar to ChatGPT could handle quite complex interfaces, but I believe that Google Duplex didn't use the transformer architecture which was presented by Google scholars in 2017. So it may be that actually Google understood the implications of AI already, you know, in the previous years as it acquired the DeepMind by 2014-15 with uh, an investment of over, over 500 millions, but it didn't grasp the importance of the transformer-based architecture with, with the, uh, which would lead probably to, to the, the release of ChatGPT, or at least they did grasp it, but not in a, in a, in a, in a way that was instead, um, you know, done by, by other players like um, like uh, like OpenAI. But anyhow, here, just to move forward in the discussion, this is the, uh, the transition that we're looking at right now, the transition from discovery engines to real-time and generative engines. How does this, uh, this transition look like? Well, uh, we need to look at uh, a few, uh, few key things when it comes to the generative engines. So those, uh, those generative engines, uh, or what we can call like real-world generative experiences, will move from asynchronous to real-time, meaning that uh, 
content uh, production and content consumption will most probably uh, align over time, meaning that right now when I produce content and you consume it, there is a time lapse and there is a difference because it's not happening at the same time and it's not happening on the context in which you are is happening in two different places and two different times so i produce content you consume it afterward and this content is the same for everyone in a, a real-time experience the opposite happens this com this content is not generated previously is actually generated on the fly as you actually access an ai model through your device and you give the context to this ai model this content is generated on the fly imagine the case of a video or a short movie which is generated just for, just for you based on your uh, preferences and uh, uh, the context in which you are in that moment. For instance, the, the, the device knows your mood and then based on that is fetched into the AI model and the AI model can produce something in real time. The other key component of this uh, generative uh, engine is the fact that uh, this moves from static to grounded. For instance, you know, if I'm Netflix and spending billions in producing content while, uh, while I'm still uh, improving the delivery of this content from, uh, from uh, you know, uh, TV or like, for instance, from, uh, from, uh, from uh, theater uh, to actually streaming, therefore, uh, you know, uh, play to you anytime that you want. This is still static content, meaning that it's not going to change each time that you open up your, your smart TV and access Netflix. Instead, what is going to happen with, the, again, with the AI content, this is going to be highly dynamic. So it, it can change on the fly and it can change for each user. Another key uh, thing is uh, this content can move from out of context to in context, which is one of the other key aspects of this uh, AI uh, revolution, which means that uh, really, thanks to in-context learning, those AI models can serve high, highly personalized uh, content based on the context of each user. And therefore, that's the other thing, which means that uh, the content is going to go from personalized to hyper-personalized, and it's going to go again from streaming to interaction. So imagine the case in which you can serve a Netflix library to any user, but in this Netflix library not only is going to be different, the content served is going to be completely different. So you're going to be able to uh, leverage on real-time engines that can serve entertaining content to any user in a different uh, fashion, almost as uh, if users as a, uh, can personalize the content based on its own uh, consciousness stream. So that's quite interesting, and that's the transition that we're looking at right now. So whether uh, you know Google is going to be able to move from this sort of um, of, uh, of uh, you know discovery engine to real-time engines is going to be interesting to look at especially because it's going to be critical to enable this content to become also uh, money uh, you know monetized within the google advertising machine and that's the actually hardest hardest part mm -hmm.